0: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a more working somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to the West Coast edition of Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me. Jim Cramer. Innovation is the lifeblood of capitalism. And these days, that makes Silicon Valley's capitalism global headquarters. On a day where the averages rolled higher, with the Nasdaq leading the way of 101%, while the Dow gained 83 points, the SME inched up 0.7%, we are here to cheer the most dynamic economic system in history. Now, capitalism is under assault right now. And taking its lumps like we haven't seen since maybe the Great Depression. Now, some of that is self-inflicted. We have real problems with income inequality in this country. And sometimes it's really in your face, like the $62 million that Boeing was contractually obligated to pay Dennis Molenberg, the now former CEO who was fired for failing to fix the 737 Max after not one but two tragedies. Can Boeing's new CEO, David Calhoun, change the company's trajectory can he change a corporate culture that seems to have gotten rotten And light us some of those very ugly emails that came out? It appears that some engineers at the company flat out deceived federal regulators about the need for more pilot training to handle the max. But pilots really did need more training to handle all the new systems, as the company made clear last week. Boeing's really not putting capitalism's best forward, foot forward here. Undeniably so. Hey, but you know what? Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think capitalism still has a lot going for it. And that belief stems from the, everything I see happening here in San Francisco. Now, we got a real windfall here. This week, JP Morgan's hosting the largest healthcare conference of the year. Uh, it's out here, and we're going to be exploring all the new drugs and devices that these companies are working on. Every year, there's a theme to this conference. And this year, the theme personalization in healthcare, a, a system that increasingly runs on the customer, on your choice. Now, when you listen to Democrats running for president, You hear that there's a lot wrong with our health care system, and that's true, although that doesn't necessarily mean that single-payer is the answer. However, I don't want to lose sight of everything that our system does right. First, we recently heard about a dramatic decline in cancer deaths. Now, some of it is because innovative drug and drug companies are slowly but surely finding more and more ways to beat this horrible disease. For example, Bristol-Myers has the best oncology franchise around here. And you know what? They've merged with Celgene in a deal that announced a year ago that's already paying dividends. And I don't mean the bountiful 2.72% yield that Bristol pays its shareholders. The company's oncology drugs, Updevo. Yervoy, and now Revlimid from Celgene are being studied in a variety of different cancers. When we met with CEO Bristol-Myers' Giovanni Cafforio this morning, he talked about drug price restraint. I think the restraint is real. I think these drugs are saving lives. Or how about Emma Wamsley and GlaxoSmithKline? What they're doing to advance the early treatment of ovarian cancer. Do you know that they're teaming up with 23 Me to figure out who's most susceptible to these diseases for early detection? Talk about personalization. Sometimes it's only the lack of awareness that keeps these life-saving innovations away from people. Then there are vaccines. Glaxo is the vaccine king. Do you know they invented a vaccine for shingles? One of the most painful illnesses that you can get, and a third of Americans will get it. It doesn't have to happen, people. We can wipe it out. You get the vaccine. You don't get shingles. Or how about CVS Health? Now, here's a company that's changing the healthcare paradigm. No longer willing to be pegged as a corner drug store, CVS has stepped into the consumerization of healthcare in a major way. Right now, they're testing out health hubs, giving you care and store that you'd normally have to see a doctor for. Currently, it's still a trial, but they're planning to expand this program to 1,500 stores. Now, if you already have a general practitioner, that might not be a very big deal, but tons of young people don't have a regular doctor. It's not their style. So what do they do? They go to the emergency room and they need help. CVS might be the answer to that breakdown in the healthcare system. Plus, now that it's merged with Aetna, it can help 50 million baby boomers figure out what to do with all these forms of Medicare insurance. I need help myself. Remember when CVS was supposed to be Amazon roadkill? Remember when Walgreens was going to take all their business with Theranos machines? (laughs) Don't have the soundboard. Remember when it voluntarily took a billion dollar tobacco hit when the CEO, Larry Merlot, who will be on with us later tonight, decided that CBS couldn't both be in the business of healthcare and also sell cancer sticks? The company has triumphed over every single one of those worries. And don't forget about GW Pharma. Now, we've pretty much given up on the Canadian cannabis stocks, right? I mean, wow, they're crushing you. Maybe medical marijuana will eventually make a dent in the U.S. healthcare system, but it's unlikely it'll happen anytime soon. But GW Pharma makes cannabis-inspired drugs. And yesterday, the company pre-announced a gigantic $100 million-plus quarter. This company makes a thing called Epidiolex. It's an artificial drug that mimics some of the properties of marijuana in order to help young uh, people with epilepsy. GW is speaking at this conference to talk about the dangers of that disease and the strength of their marijuana-adjacent medication ignited the whole cannabis cohort, even though, once again, their cannabis is not real cannabis. It's artificial. So don't get too excited. I am still cautious about this group. But we sure like what we heard about canopy growth last week. That's a Canadian cannabis kingpin when we had Bill Newlands, the CEO of Constellation Brands, on, on a big chunk of canopy. I say be careful. I, I, can't it can't be up ten percent today. I don't know. I don't see legislation happening in America anytime soon. They're not going to legalize it nationally, and that's why GW Pharma's legal artificial marijuana is able to outsell pretty much the entire industry. That's why that's a better stock, too. No. Of course, the rally in the NASDAQ wasn't just about healthcare. The 5G wireless story that we keep flogging worked again, with Apple leading the way, followed by a host of semis and cell tower stocks. I keep telling you that 5G is a huge theme, one that's still in its infancy. Don't give up on it. Don't flip these stocks. Don't say, you know what, I'm going to make a couple bucks and go. Well, that would be wrong. The cybersecurity stocks erupted, too, as we heard rumors that the U.S. was about to launch a cyber attack on Iranian infrastructure. That would certainly require mandatory cyber protection. So we saw the stocks of CrowdStrike, Zscaler, and Palo Alto Surge, although they gave up some of those gains to the bell. Plus, it's worth noting that Alphabet is nearly a trillion-dollar stock. Now, I don't like this move. It's based on nothing fundamental, just the momentum that we see in so many tech names. More on that later. We're witnessing the same thing in two other stocks in the trillion-dollar club, and that's Microsoft and Apple, which means their stocks may not be able to withstand any earnings results short of a super beat not just better than expected by a couple of pennies. I don't know if that's even possible. Hey, by the way, Facebook's in the same boat. But the bottom line is simple. Innovation drives capitalism, and capitalism drives innovation. You can't have one without the other. Believe me, it's been tried, and it hasn't worked. Let's take some calls. I think we should start with Kyle in Pennsylvania. Kyle! Hey, Mr. Kramer. How are you doing again? I am doing well, Kyle. What's going on? Good. Again, I want to start off saying thank you for inspiring the owner generation, including myself. And, uh, so a while ago, I opened up positions in Dollar Tree and Shopify in my portfolio. And I plan on holding Dollar Tree for a while, despite their previous quarterly earnings report that brought the stock down 20% in late November. So the company reported a 1.08 EPS missing analysis consensus of, of an estimate of 1.13, and they had a revenue of 5.75 billion, and that the consensus of 5.74 billion. Now, their next earnings, March 4th in 2020, and my question for you is, do you think Dollar Tree has the ability to show long-term growth, becoming a $100 stock again in 2020? Yes, I do I do think it has that. But remember that was not a great quarter and today 13 below I'm sorry, 5 below reported a bad quarter pre-announcement and the stock was down 13. This cohort is not any good. But you know what? You got Shopify. Shopify is one of the greatest stories. It's all about empowering the individual. You're doing fine. So hold Dollar Tree and don't sell any Shopify. Innovation people drives capitalism, and capitalism drives innovation. You can't have one without the other. Some have tried, they fail on that Money Tonight. From CNBC's One Market in San Francisco, Zoetis is up 340% since it was spun off from Pfizer in 2013. And we liked it from the get-go. Yes, with a new CEO at the helm, can the move continue? I've got the exclusive. Then forget momentum. I'll tell you which stocks are finally being propelled by actual events in this market. And it's one of the greatest turnaround stories of 2019. But what does 2020 have in store for Kramer fave, GlaxoSmithKline? I'm talking to the CEO with an exclusive. So stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. The humanization of pets means families are investing in the well-being of their favorite furry friends. For years, this stock has been powered by animal spirits. Can the company stand on its own four legs? While we're out here
0: in San Francisco for the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, we're checking in with some of our absolute favorite companies in the industry. Companies like Zoetis, the huge animal health company that makes drugs, vaccines, and medical devices for both pets and livestock. Okay, this is a longtime Kramer fave. It's a classic play on the humanization of pets. It's had a gigantic run. This stock is up 340% since it was spun off by Pfizer in 2013, including 55% gains just last year. And its CEO just retired. So can the new management continue to propel the stock higher? Let's take a closer look with Kristen Peck, the new CEO of Zoetis, to get a better sense of where our company's headed. Ms. Peck, welcome to Man Money. Well, thank you.
3: I'm very excited and energized to take over as CEO. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. Well, first, Juan Ramon Alex is a huge fan Uh, of our viewers, okay? So what can you do to keep his legacy going?
3: Well, I'm super proud of everything we've built at Sowetis and I've been there with Juan Ramon, um, who I adore, um, and the entire management team from the start. And as you said, we've had over 330% in total shareholder returns since inception. So it's been really, really great to do that. I think as well, as you look at some of the... um, We've been growing faster than the market, Mm -hmm. so we've had a great... And my job, I think, is to build on that momentum and really continue to invest in innovation um, and in wellness um, and really drive the company forward. So I'm super excited to do that and to be here with you, who've been well, a big fan of our you. space of and our stocks. So thank well, you. Well,
0: I'm a big fan. I am a pet lover, dogs, cats. And what, what innovations do you have for uh, animals, for dogs who we know can't tell us that something's wrong?
3: Well, innovation is the lifeblood of Zoetis, as you okay. know. I think we do it better than anyone. If you look over the last five years, we've actually launched 1,100 new products and lifecycle innovations in the space. And we do that by investing over $1.1 billion in our R&D, our BD, and our capital expenditures. And the one innovation we are super excited about is Semperica Trio, which is a combination of products for flea, tick, um, heartworm, and intestinal parasites. And we're really excited, as you probably saw. We got approval last year in the EU mm-hmm. um, and we're launching in Q1. And we're very excited uh, that we've recently completed our technical section and are now in administrative review. And uh, we're pretty confident we're going to get approval in Q1 and launch shortly thereafter. Well, so. it's
0: huge for those of us who know that you have to put together pastiche of drugs that are very expensive. What we really want is something that's effective. And so with Zoanis' brand, we know that. What are you going to uh, – any preview for what you're going to talk about at the uh, conference?
3: Well, first and foremost, we talk, obviously, a lot about our innovation. Um, right. We, As we've talked about, we're excited about some of the new products we have, uh, certainly in monoclonal antibodies, as you've seen for both right. dogs and for cats. Continuing to grow our DERM portfolio, as you've, ne- you've seen, and you talk yes. about all the time, about Apoquel and Cytopoin for atopic dermatitis. Right. I mean, one thing Zoetis is great at is building markets. If you remember, even a few years ago, DERM wasn't even a market, and it's now a one- billion dollar market. So and Watch. we're also f- excited about digital and data and livestock and okay. really looking at individualized animal care.
0: All right. One of the things that you've been instrumental in helping me with is this notion of African swine fever and what it's doing particularly. We've got a trade agreement on Wednesday to the Chinese who do not have our biosecurity. That's something I think you're one of the most informed people about in the world. I want others to know about it.
3: African swine fever, you know, really is a major issue in China. If you look at reports such as Rabobank, over 50 percent of the pigs in China have already been lost. And to put that in a little bit of context, that's more pigs than the U.S. produces in a year. So this is a big opportunity for many countries, just like the U.S. Um, And I think as you look at the China trade deal to do exports, I would say not just of pork, um, but also of poultry. But what's exciting for Zoetis is, they're going to have to source a lot of that protein, not just from the U.S., but from Brazil and Europe, all where we have a significant presence. So it's definitely a very serious disease, but a significant opportunity for the rest of the um, markets. And you
0: also talking about something. Uh, in our country, it's almost impossible to get to a pig farm because of biosecurity. But you said that the Chinese don't have that.
3: Biosecurity is a really important issue. Um, and having strong biosecurity measures in place is not just good for the animals. It's good for the consumer, and it's really good for business. And... I would say three things are really important in biosecurity. The first is good vaccine programs to prevent disease. Um, The second is good surveillance programs to be testing. But also really important is sanitary environments to raise these animals. And one of the challenges in China, where the majority of their pigs were raised in backyard farms, where putting these biosecurity measures is very challenging. They're really common in the U.S., as you spoke about, and certainly in Europe and many developed markets. And I think there's a big opportunity for uh, companies like Zoetis to assist China in trying to put in place better biosecurity as they repopulate their herds.
0: Right, well, I hope they do a $50 billion buy of, of our <laughs> port. Now, uh, uh, another thing you and I talk about, as I did with Juan Ramon, is these dogs, they, the animals can't talk. And it's one of the things that, I mean, I know this, we have to talk about Australia, too. They can't tell us what's the matter. So we need effective diagnostics, and that's something you're moving into aggressively.
3: Yeah, I think as you look at the humanization of pets... Right. Um, the first thing is more and more people around the globe are medicalizing their pets. They're bringing their pets to the, to the vet. And diagnostic plays a really important role in that because the animals can't speak themselves. Um, and so you need to run some of these tests. If you have a lethargic dog with a fever, what's really underlying that? And so we've invested a lot in diagnostics in the last you know two years, right. as you know, uh, certainly with the acquisition of Avaxis, but also in Reference Lab in the last few years, it's an exciting space that's growing faster than the animal health market at around 10%. So it's a fast-growing market, but it's so important uh, for the humanization of pets to really understand what's underlying and to make sure each dog or each cat
0: is getting the care that they need. Right. And when, when the vets send you that card reminding you that it's Everest uh, time, use the card. Believe it. Go. Because now they can do something. You can do something about it. Speaking of doing something about it, talk about what your company's doing in Australia.
3: Um, well, it's, it's, it's absolute, the destruction is absolutely devastating. And seeing some of the images and the stories are just heartbreaking. And if you look at what's happening there, over half a billion animals have already been lost. And most of these fires, as you know, are really in a lot of the national forests. So right. it's a majority of natural indigenous wildlife, certainly some livestock and pet care. But we're really partnering first around product donations. But the real value I think we're adding is just Partnering with the veterinarians there and as well as the zoologists to try to find products to treat some of these koalas and these kangaroos to really make a difference. And the other thing we're really proud of is our support of Beyond Blue, which is helping rural communities really deal with the emotional and other toll that this is taking. This is really happening in communities that don't have great support systems, and
0: that's so important. All right. Well, bed you're doing something. Speaking of Beyond, Beyond Meat is catching fire. What happens if people really turn, livestock's a big part of your business. What happens if, if the next generations really do turn on livestock and say, we don't want to eat live, uh, we don't want to kill animals for our food? Could that hurt your business?
3: Well, alternative um, proteins are certainly a hot topic and they're growing mm-hmm. fast. But I think what's important to keep in mind is that animal-based proteins are still growing globally at 1% to 2%. That's being driven by you know, a growing middle class as well as just population growth. I mean, we're 7.7 billion today, and by 2050, it'll be 9.7 billion. So, what we're focused on Zoetis is finding more sustainable ways of producing animal-based proteins, investing in digital and data analytics through precision livestock farming, which really focuses on individual animal care, being able to find out earlier animals that are, you know, better to breed, mm-hmm. um, you know, that are getting sick. We really feel like that's the way to create more sustainable production. As well as our partnership with Colorado State, looking at antibiotic alternatives, um, which I think will be really important if we're going to grow a more sustainable
0: right. food supply. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. That's Kristen Peck, CEO of Zoetis, the new CEO of, of Zoetis. Man, money's back yet to the break. Thanks so much. We don't want to be in a situation where stocks keep roaring on the same old, same old information. So it's a relief to see a bunch of winners value on genuine good news. Let's take them down, starting with Tesla. Now, we've been hearing that electric vehicles aren't selling too well in China. So there was a lot of fear that the Chinese government might pull their subsidies as early as next year something they'd signal a willingness to do. But today we learned that the government's willing to extend those subsidies, and that's why Tesla, the stock, caught fire of nearly 50 bucks, or close to 10%. Elon Musk wants to produce 250,000 cars in China. And as long as the Communist Party keeps subsidizing, I think Tesla could have some very, very big numbers. Estimates to go higher. Next up, Lululemon vaulted more than $10, or 4.4%, on a terrific pre-announcement. Now, there was a cohort of investors who sold that women's apparel was weak at Kohl's, so they worried it might also be weak at Lululemon. Oh, please. The, the company pre-announced some stellar results this morning, which means the stock is cheaper than we thought. I know Lulu's still pretty expensive, but if the earnings estimates are too low, that means the stock can go higher. I expect estimate bumps, target raises, and upgrades tomorrow morning. Then there's Beyond Meat, the maker of plant-based burger alternatives. McDonald's has been testing Beyond Burgers in Canada, and many people were afraid that the numbers must be tepid because we hadn't heard a peep out of them. But last week, McDonald's decided to expand their trial from a handful of stores to 50 of them. Now, that sent the stock skyrocketing last week, tacked on another 19% today. Makes sense, people. McDonald's is the largest fast food chain on Earth. If they ever decide to roll up Beyond Burgers in all their locations, then this stock would be headed much, much higher. Plus, it doesn't hurt that Dunkin' Donuts just nationally announced their own Beyond Meat product today, the Snoop Dogg-endorsed Beyond... G Sandwich. Oh, drop that while it's hot. Not. What else? Baxter, the medical instrument maker, has been flying on no news. That is until today's JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, where the company pre announced much better than expected numbers. Now the whole thing makes a lot of sense. Okay, of course, not, not every stock's rallying uh, on general, genuinely new information. We have a ton of winners that keep going higher on endless price target boosts. Stocks like Salesforce where there's nothing new. People keep buying it anyway. After buying its time in the wake of a sharply better-than-expected quarter, Salesforce is now getting the respect it deserves, in spades. When Adobe at its big analyst meeting last November, it reaffirmed its long-term growth forecast. At the time, uh, that was an incredibly important piece of information, and it was totally ignored. Now, though, people are rethinking it, and the stock's on an incredible tear. But again, it's not based on anything new. NVIDIA! Gain more than 3% on another price target boost based on old information, artificial intelligence, and ray tracing for video games. Stuff I've talked about with you endlessly. I love the stock, but holy cow, I wish it didn't have so much momentum. It's almost not fair to CEO Jensen Wong, although my dog NVIDIA is jumping for joy, or, or at least for treats. Finally, there's Apple. Up another six bucks today. Yeah, here today. You know, well, whatever. Uh, it have got a price target boost again, so it was up six. Well, then doesn't someone have to boost the price target tomorrow? Was there any new information here? Well, the thesis is that the iPhone 11 is selling well. To which I say, no kidding. Hello, but there was also some 5G talk today, and I think this theme is still in its first inning. Maybe the game hasn't even started. Maybe it's kind of like when you're Star-Spangled banner it. That moved up. NXP Semi, Marvel. Hey, Did you see that explosion? Skyworks, Corvo. No, not Cuervo. Corvo. Also in No Real News. After this relentless rally, I fear that we could be in for a rocky earnings season, which starts tomorrow with the big banks, because the expectations have gotten too high for everything, except the oils. We're devoid of big sellers right now. And the shorts are being steamrolled. Still, at least some stocks are rallying on good news, not mere momentum. I just wish there were more of them. There's much more mad money ahead, including my sit-down with the CEO of GlaxoSmithKline. Can the company continue its remarkable move in 2020? And CVS went from being one of the most hated names in early 2019 to an investor favorite by the end of the year. How is the company positioning itself these days? I've got the CEO and all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
1: With a hand in pharma, healthcare, and life-saving vaccines, this company wants investors to join their search for a biotech breakthrough. Is their pipeline packed enough to take home gamers on a GlaxoSmith climb? Let's talk about one of the great turnaround stories
0: of 2019 and hopefully 2020, GlaxoSmithKline. At the J. Morgan Healthcare Conference last year, Glaxo's new CEO, Emma Walmsley, told us her strategy for breathing new life into what was called a growth star of big pharma company by most of the street. She was in the process of divesting her consumer businesses and making a big biotech acquisition to boost the company's oncology product pipeline. That strategy's working. Glaxo's rallied 23% this year. It's a huge move for hundred percent billion drug company, even up here it's still got a 4.3% yield. I think it's safe. So can this stock keep climbing? Earlier today we had a chance to sit down with Ms. Walmsley, the turnaround artist, CEO of GlaxoSmithKline. To learn more about the progress she's made and where her company's headed, take a look. And a lot of people talk about the new drugs you have. I, I think that's fantastic. I want to talk about the reinvention of culture, the fact that you are much more innovative and, and actually, frankly, much more optimistic than the old classes of crime.
4: Well, first of all, Jim, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, great to be here. Um, innovation is the first of our three priorities, innovation, performance, and trust at, at GSK. And I am pleased with both the progress and the momentum that we've been able to make over the last couple of years. We've had a lot of positive data for patients, whether that be on the Tessaro acquisition that I was talking to you about this time last year, or our new drug in multiple myeloma. We have a lot of data coming through for HIV patients uh, in terms of these pioneering two drug regimens. And we hope that this data, amongst others, is going to give us at least six approvals of Uh, of uh, new medicines uh, or new indications in 2020 and that we're building confidence in our ability to execute that innovation, whether it be our performance in Shingrix or our respiratory medicines like Trilogy and New Carla.
0: Okay, Shingrix, we have to uh, put that right on the table. That is for shingles. There are millions of people who will will get shingles without shingles.
4: Well, look, one in three of us, uh, when you look around this set, is going to suffer with this incredibly debilitating disease. And we were just delighted to have uh, a vaccine that demonstrates this spectacular efficacy, 95% protection. We've already got 11 million Americans uh, protected, but there are 150 million over 50. So we have uh, demonstrated great growth uh, with Shingrix, but we have... A lot of uh, room to grow further, including with globalization. We've just been approved in China too, China. so uh, that that's an important uh, vaccine for us, and we 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 love the vaccines businesses. Okay, uh, prevention Let's... is a good thing.
0: But I want to talk about the oncology uh, segment because it is true that last year's Tissera. A lot of people feel when you make these giant acquisitions for billions of dollars, it's years and years before you see any results. That is not the case with Tissera. You have something that is going to be gigantic
4: right now. Well, look, we're really pleased uh, with at this acquisition. We thought it was a smart risk to take because the bet we were saying is that with the medicine Zajula, we could help more women that are facing into the devastating diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Today, it's been tr- used, um, these PARP inhibitors for 15%, the women with the BRCA gene. And our bet was that the data would show it could be relevant for at least 50 HRD-positive biomarker women, and maybe more. And the data showed it was relevant for 100% of women. So we're hoping to get that uh, onto the label for for this year. My
0: friend Lisa Gill is a hugely important person at this conference, J.P. Morgan. She is talking about the year of the consumer, 23andMe, BRCA gene. People, humans are taking control of themselves, and when they do, they come to you for some of the key medicines.
4: Well, um, our partnership with 23andMe and also others recently announced like the uh, CRISPR pioneers uh, uh, here, right here in, in, in San Francisco was because we believe that genetically validated targets for our medicines uh, when we can get there, we can improve the productivity uh, of R&D, and that, that's an exciting prospect for the industry and for patients.
0: Now, the analysts are slow to pick up about your reinvention. Here's a piece by Deutsche Bank, and this is, again, a British analyst saying, uh, we expect earnings to remain challenged in 2020 with headwinds, and you a whole series of headwinds. Uh, again, when I think of earnings challenge, I think people say that that 4% yield could be in jeopardy, but that's not what I hear from you.
4: Well, first of all, we're investing in the future growth of of GSK, particularly in our pipeline. And that's why we're so pleased to see the progress there. And we're also investing in the new launches with... As I said, we hope uh, uh, at least six approvals in 2020. We want to make sure that uh, that innovation is being brought uh, to patients. But our uh, commitment to to the dividend remains extremely uh, strong and there's no change to our policy around that.
0: Okay, that's important because a lot of uh, people want fixed income and yours is the one I've been telling people is is the way to go. with. Uh, We haven't talked enough about what the respiratory franchise and how huge it is and what could happen. There's so much there. And uh, you're the leader.
4: Well, we are the leaders in, in respiratory, and we're particularly pleased with the progress we've made on uh, both trellogy uh, the first triple therapy for COPD, just approved in China uh, as well, and the most successful launch in respiratory after Adver, another one of ours. We pioneered with IL-5s in, in biologic medicines with Nucala for the most severe uh, asthmatics. And very excitingly, actually, we have some new potential respiratory vaccines where we have proof of concepts to read out later this year. This year? One for uh, proof of concept, that's okay. early stage, right. but one's for RSV and one is also a CP, COPD vaccine. So these are only at the
0: review board level.
1: We're not well, there the, this
4: is early stage, right. um, but Jim, again, you know, beyond uh, uh, clean water, nothing has been demonstrated to have as big an impact on human health as vaccination. We're the world leaders. Uh, we've shown what we can do, and if the data is positive, that could be exciting for our overall respiratory franchise. Then how
0: do you uh, get people who are anti-vaxxers, and there are many, to understand, look, this is a uh, there is actual very hard data saying that they're wrong?
4: Well, uh, again, I, I would repeat, the evidence shows uh, that vaccination is uh, has a hugely positive impact on human health around the world, and we are proud to be uh, world leaders in vaccination, not just for our innovative vaccines like Shingrix right. or what could come, but also for our contribution to global health progress in things like TB and potentially malaria as well. Malaria
0: would be the biggest.
4: Yeah, we we understand, though, that parents uh, have questions, um, uh, and and they have the right to have questions about how to protect their children. Our job is to support governments as they bring forward that evidence and make sure we bring the most differentiated quality vaccines we can.
0: I want to talk about China. Uh, There's so much opportunity there, Mm. but you are still very small in China. What can happen to make things better?
4: Well, look, we, we are uh, uh, starting from a smaller base, right. but there is no debate that the Chinese market um, is very high potential and increasingly exciting as they open up more to innovation. So we were pleased to have Shingrix approved there and uh, Trilogy and actually our Lupestro too. So. Well, there
0: are 100 million people. Who's, it's a smoking country, so they need help.
4: Well, there are 100 million potential COPD sufferers in China.
0: Oh, it's tough. It's tough. And something has to be done. Uh, meanwhile, the Smith, GlaxoSmithKline. Well, I say SmithKline because I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. The GlaxoSmithKline that a lot of people know are consumer brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they generate a huge amount of cash flow, but they are not the new GlaxoSmithKline. So you're taking care of that.
4: Well, that's an important point. Uh, you know, sat here last year, we talked about our exciting deal uh, with mm-hmm. Pfizer. We brought together this tremendously powerful portfolio of world-leading consumer healthcare brands. Great portfolio, great footprint uh, in the biggest uh, markets and a great group of people now taking the best um, from both both the Pfizer team and the GSK team. But we did announce with that deal our intention uh, to separate into two countries in around... 3 years from close so that would be around 2022 and we're on track with that I'm very pleased with the integration so far uh, and uh, you know concentrating on making sure we deliver competitive performance along the way
0: and that is i think guaranteeing the innovation level and the research and development you're spending more how about Absolutely. how much more you're spending than the old glaxo
4: well, we're accelerating an in investment, but we're really putting much more discipline in the way that we allocate those funds because, you know, anyone can spend money. We want to make sure we spend it for the right kinds of uh, returns. And I think that's one of the uh, biggest cultural transformations we've brought, that when we see something exciting, we double down on it. BCMA, our multiple myeloma right. job, will be a great example. Two years ago, that was just in phase one. We've now gone going to have up to 10 studies, and we're hoping for an approval uh, in fourth line BCMA in the very near future. Well,
0: look, I want to congratulate you for the new- new GlaxoSmithKline. I want to congratulate you for changing the culture. Now we just need some of these analysts to recognize exactly how extraordinary the innovation you've brought to GlaxoSmithKline is. That is Emma Walmsley. She's the GlaxoSmithKline CEO. Fantastic.
4: Great.
0: See you, Jim. Thank you. It's time. It's time for the Remember, the and And then the lightning round is over. Let's start with Willie in Virginia. Willie, Crane a big double booya to you. A triple I love booyah right Back at you. My stock pick is First Horizon National F-H-A. Okay, the stock is not done as well as I thought, because I think that the the acquisition was a brilliant acquisition. Others don't. I think they're wrong. Brian Jordan understands. Let's go to Ben in Pennsylvania. Ben.
5: Greetings, Jim from Pittsburgh, PA. Jim, I think you're not keen on the energy sector, but uh, I I think there's some good value there.
0: Recently, I bought some shares in the Holly Frontier Corporation as a value play. Seems to me the P.E. and the dividends seem attractive. Uh, what's your I'm not going to disagree with you. I think it is a value play as long as you set that. I do like Valero more than HFC, but I definitely understand why you want to buy a stock that's down and out. Jeff in California. Jeff. Yes. You're up, Jeff. Oh, hi, Jim. Yeah, this is uh, Jeff from L.A. Hey, Jim, I've got a stock that's better than any stock that I've seen statistically. It's up 466% last year. It's up 129% the last three months. It's up 35%, and it went up 25% today. It's called CDLX. It's a marketing company, and there's no dips, Jim. There's no pullbacks at all. So can I just get in this, or should I wait for a little pullback? Well, you know what I like to do when I hear something like that, and it is a parabolic move, but it's also fintech. I have to come back and do homework. then. Ben Stodel and I are going to. We had a noodle in this one. This is the hardest stock I've ever seen. It is a little too sizzling for this guy. I worry about. Bruce in Mexico. Bruce. Hey Jim, good evening, and a big booyah from the land of enchantment. Hey, I love um, the land of enchantment. Currently, <laughs> I'm overweight in energy, Jim. Uh, my largest holding is Chevron. Um, given well, that is the continue. best one if you're going to be in one of those big internationals. other them BP. BP's got a 6. This one's got a 4% yield. Mike Worth is a thinking person. I think he's doing a good job. But again, he is fighting the tide of one of the great bear markets in history. Sean in New York. Sean! Yeah. Who are you, Jim? How are you doing? I am doing well, Sean. Thank you for asking. How about you? Great. Who are you moving for Sunday? Uh, Tennessee or... City. Oh, man, come on. Andy Reid and Tammy Reid are two of the most charitable people in the world. Andy just tore it up in Philadelphia. It's all, Andy, 100% hell of the Chiefs. How can I help?
1: But Okay, uh, tell me, I worked five years for 25 years. i still got a couple of shares left. What do you think I should do with them and maybe take a look at a company called Brainstorm? Thanks.
0: Uh, what was the one, what was the stock that... Oh, IBM. I've got to tell you, IBM problematic downgraded this morning. And by the hold, i got to find out more about that. Didn't make any sense to me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, good of the lightning round.
1: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. As election season fills the headlines, health care is never far from the consumer's mind. Striving to be more than just your corner pharmacy... Can CBS Health deliver your portfolio the medicine it needs to beat the street? A little less than a year ago, CBS
0: Health issued what was widely perceived to be a discipline guidance. Over the course of the spring, the stock got hammered. But I stuck with it, telling you CBS had a bright future thanks to its merger with Aetna, the big health insurance provider. Then over the summer, Wall Street became terrified that the eventual Democratic nominee would campaign on single payer, something that would effectively put the recently acquired Aetna out of business. And that that starting to seem less likely this fall. Well, the stock caught fire. But even after this move, the darn thing is still incredibly cheap, selling for roughly 10 times earnings. So could the stock have a lot more upside? Let's take a closer look with Larry Merlot. He's the bankable president and CEO of CVS Health. To get a better read on his company's prospects, Mr. Merlot, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Larry. Larry, we're talking a lot about uh, the consumer taking over, the individual increasingly in charge of her health. CVS
5: is at the heart of that move, Jim? No question. Look, we all see the challenges in healthcare. It's become expensive for many, uh, difficult to use and navigate, and all of that has created the emergence of consumerism in healthcare. You know, Jim, we look at at the environment and how can we bring solutions to that? And we we see three imperatives that bring that to life: the need to make healthcare local, meet people where they are in the community. Uh, in their home, even now in the palm of your hand. We've got 10,000 community touch points all across the country. 75% of the U.S. population lives within a couple miles of a CVS. Second priority, Jim, is how can we make health care more simple? Mm-hmm. And we see the opportunity to help consumers with the information, the resources that they need mm-hmm. to make informed decisions. And, Jim, the third priority is helping pe- people to achieve their best health. Jim, today, two thirds of the country has one or more chronic diseases. It's those chronic diseases that are accounting for seventy to eighty percent of health care costs, and we know their names: diabetes, cardiovascular hypertension. And yet, people are not are, are not achieving you know their best health outcomes. We can and must do better.
0: Okay, now my, my regular CVS, which I go to all the time, is I like to stuff in the front of the store, got prescription in the back. That is not the store of the future,
5: though. No, Jim, you, we're evolving. You know, from what we know to be today's drugstore. We're calling them health hubs. They're more of a health destination. We're repurposing about 20% of the space in the front store to health-related services, expanded mini-clinics, care concierges, additional services out of the pharmacy, and yet we're still offering you know those products focused on health, beauty, personal care, and some elements of convenience. We started this time last year in the Houston, Texas market. We ended last year with about 50 stores in four markets, Jim, we're really excited in terms of what we're seeing from the consumers, the acceptance, the interest that is growing with our clients, and you know, we've made a commitment to have about 600 hubs by the end of this year. That's 12 a week with a trajectory of 1,500 hubs by the end of 2021.
0: And those stores do better uh, same-store sales than one without?
5: You know what, Jim, it, it's very early. It's a small sample, right. but we're seeing increased traffic in the stores. Right. We're seeing higher front-store margins, and we are seeing terrific utilization of the health-related services. So we're really pleased with what we're seeing.
0: One of the things I've, I when I go over your uh, presentations, you and I had doctors. Our parents had doctors. We had doctors. You find a G- GP. Uh, People don't understand. Millennials, Gen X,
5: they don't do that. Well, you know, Jim, you look at our Minute Clinics. We have now seen 48 million you know, patients. Now, that's over multiple years, but it really speaks to the accessibility of health, the convenience, and the overall experience, and the role of the nurse practitioner and the fact that in this business model, we can play a complementary role to the role of the primary care physician.
0: Okay, let's talk about Aetna. Uh, what is Aetna doing better now that it's with you?
5: You know what, Jim, Aetna has done a terrific job growing the government business, uh, seen terrific growth in, in both Medicare and Medicaid, and the ability to bring together the medical and pharmacy data, and you, know, you think about you know, the information that Aetna has about the, the members that they serve. You know, let's call it, what is our next best action? you know, to put us on a healthier path. You know, Aetna has, as is the case with all insurers, how do you activate that? How do you create the consumer engagement? You know, that's the beauty of this combination because the CVS community assets actually bring that to life. So we're off to a wonderful start with our integrated model.
0: Well, there is a lot of blame game in the system. Look, we, we had uh, Giovanni Caffario, he's the CEO of bristol Myers. He was saying, it kind of question whether the pharmacy benefit managers play any role that's positive. We know that the, a lot of Democrats who are front-runners even uh, wish that the whole thing would change and wipe you out. But I, I don't know, you not don't seem to be the real problem when I look at the nuts and bolts.
5: You know what, Jim, PBMs have proven the ability to reduce you know the overall cost of pharmaceutical care and you, know, you look at what has been done in terms of managing You know, prescription formularies and the fact that, you know, the savings associated with that is getting passed back to the consumer, whether it's discounts at the pharmacy counter through the point of sale or those dollars being passed back to the consumer in lower monthly premiums, you know, in their insurance. So the data validates the role that PBMs have played in reducing, you know, the overall cost of pharmaceutical care.
0: All right, let's speak to the stock. A lot of people are very worried about the huge amount of debt that you took on. I don't think they understand how much cash flow your company generates.
5: Yeah, Jim, you know, since the close of the transaction, it's been 13 months. We've already repaid about $8 billion of that debt. You look at cash from operations, Jim. 2019, will generate between 10 10 and $10.5 billion. You know, so we've got ample cash to pay down the debt, reinvest back in the business. We'll you know, put in CapEx about $2.3 to $2.6 billion while maintaining our $2 dividend. So, Jim, we have a plan to you know, delever, get our adjusted debt to EBITDA ratio back to the low three times in 2022, very comfortable with the trajectory that we're on.
0: Now, there were a lot of people who felt that, uh, why would anyone want to buy health and beauty at CVS when they can get it delivered by Amazon? The health and beauty numbers are really holding up, though.
5: You know what, Jim, we have really focused our front-store business on the growth in those core categories, health, beauty, personal care. And we've been able to, you think about this new intersection of data analytics and technology, you think about the role of our extra care loyalty program where we have been able to deliver Value to our consumers in a very, very personalized way. And, you know, that has supported growth in those categories. Very pleased with the performance.
0: Uh, Is there, do you uh, wake up at night worried that Amazon's got some sort of pill pack killer?
5: You know what, Jim? Our organization has really been focused around. You know, how, do you, how do we make sure we don't leave any white space for disruption? And that's created to a lot of different innovations that you know, we've been introducing. Really excited about how our care pass is performing. We tested it in a couple markets, rolled it out across the country in the fall. We now have more than a million members. And what we're seeing from those customers, increased utilization you know, as well as a higher basket size.
0: Well, that's exactly what we want to hear. My travel trust has a huge position. in CVS, thank you for everything you do for shareholders. That's Larry Merlot. He's president and CEO of CVS Health. You know, I like this stock. I like this company. And yes, I like being a customer. They have money's back into the break. I love coming out here, whether it's for health or for tech. But you know what? They're really pretty much the same thing. That's why we like this healthcare conference so much, and there's so much more ahead tomorrow. Like I said, there's always a little more somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you
1: tomorrow.
2: I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe.